0: Turn, if you would, to the second Psalm. For those of you who know the book of Psalms well, you might be smiling inside already, as I already am. To be honest, I knew as soon as I completed the last Psalm that the next one I wanted to do was Psalm 2. I was a little worried because I wondered if I might be going against the topic preached that day. I feared that I might be stating something against God's mercy or God's goodness. And so it was a great kindness to me last night to see what the topic for today or for this morning was. Because there are very few psalms that could do as well describing the terror of the Lord as Psalm 2. So please read along in your minds with me and consider these words. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Amen. I will declare the decree. The Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, yes. and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Yes. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Amen. Thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Be wise, now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, O ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Amen. Amen. There are three different sections in this psalm. It can easily be seen by looking at where the words are directed. The first section runs down from verse 1 through 5, and it's a statement of fact. It is a statement of how reality works. Then we have verses 6 through 9, which is a description from the psalmist of events and of what is coming, actually. It's prophecy. And then you have verse 10 through the end, through verse 12, which is a recommendation from the psalmist towards the rest of the world. Now, brethren, what you find in this psalm is not something that you're going to hear from other pulpits. It's not something that people like to talk about. It's something terrifying. It's something that they would rather ignore because they don't want a God like this. You can listen to the people of the world out there, and if you get into a discussion about God's nature, they'll come to a point where most of them will say, well, if your God is like that, if that's how God really is, I want nothing to do with it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go with what God's word says. And this is how God is. This is how he wants us to know himself. So it starts out with verse 1 with a rhetorical question. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? That's the state of mankind. It's the way we always have been. We've always imagined vain things. At some points in history, it's been worse, and God has brought his judgment like he did in the flood. But this is the nature of mankind. We rage against God in our hearts. It's only the difference of his grace that we're any different. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Now, this applies in several different points of history. You have confederations of kingdoms that came against Israel in various points various kings who joined together, and that would apply to the psalmist as he wrote it. But the most f- true fulfillment of this is in Christ. Yes. As this yes. passage in several other places points to Christ. Uh, specifically, I'd say, if you looked at Luke twenty three twelve, you could see the fact that Pilate and Herod hated one another. Right. Yet when it came to the matter of persecuting and putting to death Jesus, they became friends. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the depth to which man will go to resist the Lord and his Anointed. They will put to death a man that they both knew was just because they wanted to be protected from their fears. They had their plan to keep their power and their greatness. Brethren, I know some of us today might get a little bit worried about the events of the world. You know, it's really easy if you spend the time looking at the news. It's really easy if you spend much time looking around at the events of the world to become a little bit afraid, and I understand that. At first suggest that you not waste too much time paying attention to it because it is a waste but you know it, at times may look like truth and righteousness is being attacked that that's the intent of the leaders of this world now I tell you they're not directly going against us they are going against the Lord but they're not after us but I'd have you bear in mind even now looking at it what's the response when the rulers want to do something bad when they make plans to work evil the response from God is in verse 4 and in verse 5. He'll laugh. Amen. He'll have them in derision. He mocks them. Their plans, their conspiracies, all the things that they put together are nothing because he rules providence. He controls every minute detail so that if they accomplish anything, it just furthers his ends and not their own. That's the glory of our Lord and the fact that He's not sitting there wringing his hands like the God that so many people believe. He is not wringing his hands at the evil of man. He is not sorrowful and crying about the wickedness that people are doing. He is sitting laughing because he knows it's at their end. Whether it be in this world and they receive judgment here or it be in the world to come, they will not escape. And that is grounds for his mockery. And then we come to verse 6 in the next section. And we have a prophecy of a coming king. Now, look Look at this psalmist is shifting here. It's a very different statement. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. It's a personal statement, unlike a general statement made before. And then we have, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me. The Lord gave the psalmist something to tell us. He gave a prophecy here in the middle of this. Something that wouldn't be realized for hundreds upon hundreds of years. The Lord has said to me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Here is a picture of Christ. Forget everything else in this world. We have Christ, God's son, who is reigning right now. Forget the rest. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Well, that can be seen two different ways. It could be the fact that, God's giving Jesus that rod of iron to rule the nations and dash them in pieces, as it says in the next verse. And that's true. But he also gave us for an inheritance. Not just the people of Israel, but us, the uttermost parts of the earth, the heathen. He gave us for an inheritance to Christ so that we would be saved. Brethren, look at, the, look at this. In the middle of a chapter that's almost wholly dedicated to the judgment of God, to his wrath, to his anger, to his terror, And yet, even then, it can have something for us about the peace that God will give us. And then we return, uh, looking at verse 9, Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. It's fitting that we would find in Revelation the fact that Jesus has a rod of iron dashing the nations in pieces. Again, we see the way that this psalm, written hundreds of years before, is fulfilled again in prophecy, as we see. So now we come to the end and the conclusion that should be made. Be wise, now therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with, with fear and rejoice with trembling. Well, it's written to the kings of the earth, but it also could be meaning given to us as well. We should serve with fear. There is a level of fear, and again, it is not the fear of the slave fearing being hurt, but the fear of not wanting to displease our Father in heaven. We should rejoice with trembling. Our rejoicing before the Lord is something serious. It's not just levity. It's not just frivolous. We should consider it. We should be dedicated and focused in serving him with joy. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. A little bit of God's wrath is enough to consume us. And And it will consume the kings of this earth one day. And then it ends with another disjunctive, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Again, it ends with the final thought being, we're God's people. We have nothing to fear, nothing at all to fear. While his wrath is displayed to the rest of the world and on the greats of this world, we, his little people, are blessed. Brethren, he is a great and terrible God, but that Lord is always working towards his plan, which is our benefit and our blessing. Praise the Lord for his goodness and kindness to us and praise him for the way that he is terrible to the rest of this world.